Hey, it's Chris Hartwick from Painless Networking here. Thank you for trying out the Painless Podcast. We're thrilled to have you here for episode number two. The goal for each Painless Podcast is for all of us to get to know great people in sports, events, startups, and cause marketing. Now, before I introduce today's guests, I've got to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, the Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle. That's right, it's time to shuffle on, Chicago. Take part in the city's best running celebration and shuffle through the streets of downtown Chicago. The 2017 Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle 8K Run and 2-Mile Walk is coming up soon, Sunday, April 2nd. We'll welcome shufflers on a one-of-a-kind course that weaves its way through the loop starting and finishing in Grant Park. Sign up now and save $10. That's right, Painless Podcast listeners. Special discount. Sign up using the code PAINLESS and get $10 off. Go to shamrockshuffle.com slash registration. Use the code PAINLESS to register and save today. All righty. Today's Painless Podcast guest is Kara Bachman, the Executive Director of the Chicago Sports Commission. Kara will talk with us today about growing up in the great city of Chicago, sabotaging her figure skating lessons so she could go play hockey, and then how hockey played a, a pretty big role in her ending up going to school at Colgate. And then uh, uh, back in Chicago, how she was initially against the Olympics coming to mess up her great city of Chicago, and, uh, but uh, quickly reverse field and ended up playing a big role in the Chicago 2016 bid. After that um, still stinging, stunning uh, defeat, 2016 folks um, endured. Kara spent some time on the agency side, but that love for Chicago and sports and the experience with the bid where she built the um, very cool concept, the Next Generation Advisory Council was perfect as the Chicago Sports Commission was formed in 2012. Uh, she joined initially as the business development manager, and then in uh, 2014, um, she moved up to the executive director role. I had met Kara about almost 10 years ago already as she was finishing her master's at uh, Loyola. I've been really impressed with her since since day one, her smarts and her ability to read and connect and build real relationships uh, pretty pretty quickly is impressive. So I think you'll enjoy her take on sports marketing in Chicago as well as networking and relationship building. Take a listen. To start off, though, I wanted to talk through things chronologically a little bit um, and, and talk how, how this all started, about growing up. You grew up around here, and, you know, how did you get hooked on hockey? What was it like at home, you know, being in sports? Was that a big part of your life? What, what was growing up like for you? Um, yeah, actually, I think my current role, um, the Chicago Sports Commission, kind of encapsulates uh, growing up because I was all about sports and the city of Chicago, and now uh, I get to work in both on a daily basis. I grew up downtown uh, in the city, basically Clark and Division. Mm. Um, so grew up Yep, all my life downtown and loved every minute of it. Couldn't imagine it otherwise. And sports was an immediate influence really from the onset. 
Um, hockey became my number one sport and actually started playing at uh, Saddle and Cycle <laughs> on uh, what was tr- or originally a curling rink that they kind of, uh, I can't even say trans- say transformed into an ice rink because it was like a mini rink. They happened to have like rounded out the corners from the curling rink. Um, but we were little, so it worked then. Yeah. We graduated into UIC Pavilion when they had an ice rink, which is no longer there, unfortunately. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's cool because there are so many experiences from growing up and sports in Chicago that, I mean, that still happen today, just, you know, in the modern times opposed to 30 years ago. Right, right. (laughs) Was, uh, you know, you have a, I don't, do you have siblings? Was it the... You know, was there Blackhawks fans in the family? Like, how, yeah. like hockey, or you just happened to gravitate it because you love going to that that rink? And yeah, it was real. I mean, really started off doing like the learn to skate figure skating at Saddle. And um, to be quite honest, I really was not a fan of the outfits. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I mean, it was like no, no offense to the Saddle um, or the people who chose those outfits. But uh, Minnie Mouse was just not my thing with the tutu. So I opted for hockey skates. My mother said, Carl, I paid for your, ho- uh, your skating lessons, so you can't leave and do something else until you finish this. So I thought it'd be a good idea when you had to uh, test to go to the next level that I would pretend I was a very bad figure skater <laughs> and it looked like I wasn't making any progress and that would be the reason why they would have to move me into hockey but skating obviously something that is needed for both sports so anyway that helped convince and then my mom said okay fine you finished the figure skating you can go play hockey now which was my Uh, preference that's funny what uh, i've never had this conversation what position Defense. You, you played defense. Well, I started as forward. Yeah. Um, I think I was a little bit of a troublemaker. So when you're a little <laughs> kid, everyone wants to score the goals. And then if you get in trouble, they're like, oh, you have to play defense now. You're the instigator back in. Uh, so I was like, line. oh, <laughs> defense. So I'll, then I decided I would pretend I liked it because then it wouldn't really be the punishment. And then I actually really did like it. So that's funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, using that kind of as a springboard, really, to to off to college. I mean, is that a dis- mm-hmm. was it? Did school or hockey guide that decision of where you went? I'm gonna say hockey, yeah. <laughs> um, because you know I, I could have switched sports. I, mean, I, I played a lot of sports. It, like I said, just hockey ended up being my number one, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I you know, played every day more or less since I was five years old, and um, it 100% helped me get into college. I mean, I was a good student, uh, but, you know, in any school scenario environment, it's competitive, which that's great. I like competition. Um, hockey definitely put me over the edge. I looked at schools. I thought, oh, that looks nice, but I did let it guide the decision. Yeah. I mean, it was just... I had really great schools well, wanting to have conversations, to, right. so it kind of helped. To get a great education <laughs> and get to keep playing hockey at a, at a place like Colgate, I mean, that just sounds, um, uh, you know, almost well, obviously too good to pass up to go be able to combine those two. So th- now, were you at that point, and I've, I've seen that you're 
major was international relations and environmental geography in my research. That sounds really smart. Doesn't it, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> And quite a combo. How yeah, did I come up with yeah. that How second one? Up, I mean, well, were you, uh, you know, was that even in college, were you saying, I, I want to stay in sports? Or, you know, I've heard a little bit of the story, like you were actually into the U.S. hockey program for mm-hmm. a little bit in Lake Placid, I believe, yeah. and that, you know, wanted to be on the play in the Olympics. But was there a looking beyond that or were you one of those athletes that was really focused more short term um no I think I always probably looked at it long term forever Olympics you know I remember making a poster when I was little I was you know we had had a project on Martin Luther King and it was like what do you dream of and I mine was like one day really (laughs) I dream I'm gonna be in the NHL you know so I always was thinking hockey forever but um I probably through like in college and uh, just looking at more realistically mm-hmm. I mean if it was viable that you could make a living and play hockey at, at still the same elite level I mean I you know that would be a serious consideration for me but it's it's not the case i mean women's hockey has advanced incredibly um there's a lot more opportunities out there but mm-hmm. in terms of having a, a full on career as a female hockey player actually right. playing hockey i mean Cami Granado and Angela Ruggiero are probably the only i mean i shouldn't say the only there's others too but right i mean they don't they're not playing hockey still they mm-hmm. do recreationally but i mean they've made mm-hmm. careers based on their accomplishments in hockey yep. um for me i just at colgate it was a uh, liberal arts and there wasn't business degree i've always loved business oh, and okay. it's something i say now too is just you know, people are like oh you're in sports you're in sports i'm like yeah we work in sports but it's it's business like you're in a business or you're in a business mm-hmm. you know you're in the business of consulting you're in the business of commercial real estate you're you know in the right. business of finance it's all business and then you know you're honing in on on your industry specific right um, well looking at your you know and looking at your background too it looks like kind of you were definitely staying in a business and marketing type of mind frame i, I guess i would use the term you know doing an internship here with fcb in Chicago, yeah. uh, doing some stuff with Teach for America that's, um, you know, cause and marketing related, mm-hmm. uh, business development with Keen in Boston, Diamond uh, Management Tech Consulting here in Chicago when you were um, in grad school. So, uh, again, that was, was that a little bit of sampling? Was any of those saying, oh, you know, there is a long-term play here or was it more dabbling I mean it's just yeah I mean some of the ones you just mentioned are like not sports specific mm-hmm. they're the other I mean to be honest some of them are like oh I need to get a job while I'm in school right. this is you know quality experience I'm not going to be immensely picky the draft FCB that was awesome that was you know college and just a company I'd always wanted to right. uh, work at even if for a short internship period but they had a strong you know program um yeah, I mean, marketing business has always been of interest uh, to me. And again, you know, Colgate, they didn't have a business degree. So it was yeah. like, you could do political science or international relations. And um, I've, I took Spanish forever at, at school um, growing up and, you know, wanted to, I never did studies abroad, but the international relations was really the uh, focus at Colgate that yeah. I thought was going to lend itself to yeah, strengthen my business acumen, if you will. Yeah, right. Okay. No, that makes sense. The um, so so you 
you went to Loyola for Grit mentioned getting your MBA. You went to Loyola here in town and, and we're oh, no, working through. No, I'm sorry. That you don't have that right. It's Harvard. Oh, Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Uh, yes, no, go, no Loyola. I'll have to go back and edit that. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, and, and then I like, uh, like I think I mentioned in the, the open to get to, uh, you know, I first met you and finishing up and you were doing your networking and, you know, I thanks guess. Thanks to Painless. Yeah, thanks to Painless and at least a, a tiny bit. And uh, I ran into Andy Clark the other day and he said <laughs> uh, he had you in a class or something and he's yeah. claiming all responsibility for your, yes, uh, I'll any credit. of your success. I'll credit to Andy from, Clark from for Andy. sure. Well, I'll get him uh, on an episode down the road and we'll pin down the, the truth with him. But uh, He's not far off, I have to say. <laughs> so, like, you know, I remember I remember meeting with you and, and being very impressed and would love to have had you come to work with uh, with me at, at Marketing Works. And there just wasn't uh, there wasn't an opening. And that's what a lot of this, I think, comes down to, too, is it's timing and, yeah. and putting yourself out there. How did the connection you know, how hard did you have to work at, say, the 2016, getting in and then doing that development manager role? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming relationships heavily, heavily played on that uh, to even get in the door and, and earn that spot. But I know a lot of people listening probably would say, you know, that would be a really dream kind of a gig, getting to work on a bid like that and all. What was... I saw you doing networking. You know, you knew how to already work the game, meet a lot of different people, um, and, and poke their brains, and uh, you know, try to figure out what's making them tick and how does that tie to me. But you know, for example, with 2016, how, how did that go from being of interest to being able to basically close the deal mm-hmm. and get that gig? Well, I'll say two things. Um, start with this, and then answer. You know, how the 2016 came to be, but you know. Networking, you mentioned, and, and connecting with people. Um, I mean, I mean that that's how we've met, we've met and we've maintained a relationship mm-hmm. for ten years. You know, we've had meetings on other business ideas or potential opportunities over the last several years right. while we've been in different positions yep, and have right. stayed connected. Crossing paths, yeah. And I mean, I just think that that's the important part. Like people talk about networking a lot mm-hmm. or meeting someone or, and I think even increasingly more so with, in the world with the ability to connect on LinkedIn or social and all this, but it's important to really know the person. And I think not that people intentionally overlook it or minimize that, but just the nature of our world where you forget to do that or think that you are connected to someone because you linked in them. Like that is not a connection in my mind whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, good point. I just think that, I mean, networking, relationship building, I've seen you do it. I mean, you, um, you know, created a networking opportunity, but for people to create relationships. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that is, that is really key because just because you met someone once, just because you linked in them, that doesn't mean anything. No, that's just a starting point. And yeah, you have to do something with it and it has to be genuine and, you know, you, and, and people in Chicago specifically, I think, want to help people. And that's how yeah, I Yeah, that's felt. the good thing, right? That I think right. this is a, it's a huge market, but it can become a very small market because people, I think, are usually usually mean very well, um, kind people that are willing to, to make an introduction or, or whatever is, is, is definitely key. 
I mean, like, I, I would never want to boil it down to one kind of a trick or, or whatever, but, um, or make it as simple as, you know, something you grew up from sports is a way to translate this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what, what's, what are, what's a key way or ways that you do like to, uh, that you that you feel are good ways of getting to know people and understand how they tick a little bit because you've had to massage, you know, relationships and messaging from 2016 of convincing people that this could happen and we need your support and then getting them to sign up and mm-hmm. actually do the support and then now you're, you know, look at this, we're, we're not on video, but uh, that this long list of corp- great corporate partners, mm-hmm. some really good blue chip type brands in Chicago, well-known names, and you have to grow, maintain, or even start from scratch on those relationships. What's ways that you do that? And I mean, that can be as simple as, you know, you're a big fan of coffees or or Mm -hmm. whatever, or is it beers or is it phone calls or Mm -hmm. what kind of, how do you like to get to know people? Well, you said if you could boil it down to something, like how do others what connected everything you know you, you just went through and i do think it's passion and authenticity yeah. i mean there's a lot of other variables that need to be combined um but sports you know how do you succeed yeah you need to have talent but you have to be passionate about it otherwise what the hell is the point right. of showing up to practice every day <laughs> yeah, you know right. what i mean if you're not passionate are you going to care about winning and if you don't care about winning get off the ice or the court wherever whatever mm-hmm. you're playing um and i think it's that so that's the sports translation yeah analogy sure. is that's how you're approaching whatever Throughout. you're doing I mean, right yeah like, to, to answer the question about uh, 2016 and the involvement there that kind of speaks to um how i would probably answer this, you know, engaging corporate partners for sports commission and doing it throughout 2016. But, um, and it's something that if someone wants to approach me, um, not to like pat myself on the back, I didn't even realize I did this at the time, Mm -hmm. but was kind of told in the aftermath, but I, I would hope they would approach me this way because, you know, you said, how do you create the relationships? How are you connecting? How are you making it meaningful? Well, if you just want to pick somebody's brain, like if you don't have a relationship, like I don't really want you picking my brain. I don't even, I mean, it's like, what? Stop my brain. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) But if someone, I I went to 2016 and I I looked at the organization thinking, this is so weird. I'm, you know, at the time, whatever, 22 years old. I love sports. I love Chicago. I barely know anything about what's going on with the bid. I've wanted to be an, I've wanted to be an Olympian, but I I don't want the Olympics in Chicago. What this is going to change our city. Andy Clark <laughs> did have Patrick Sandusky, who is now mm-hmm. a close friend of mine, come to our class at Loyola at a sports management class, and I was prepared to just rip them apart, <laughs> you know, tail between the legs, get out of this classroom, go yeah. back to wherever you're from. We're not having the Olympics yeah. here. <laughs> I love the Olympics. I didn't right. want them in my city. Yeah, right. I listened to the plan. And Pat, I, at the, for those that don't know, Pat was at that time the communications person right. for the 2016 bid. So, okay, right. sorry, continue. Yep, no, thank you. And uh, 
I just crumpled up all my questions. And I was like, this <laughs> is awesome. This is going to make our city better. I mean, he, he talked about the plan, um, how, the venues, and how would we would use existing venues mm-hmm. and really either create temporary structures to increase capacity or we'd have other um, venues that would be the appropriate size during games and then after they would not be that elephant they would be downsized Mm -hmm. and all of the appropriate and thoughtful uh, use of venues moving forward uh, the plan how city-centric it was and I just thought okay this this is going to make Chicago better getting the Olympics is a catalyst to to growth to improvement and I liked the plan and I decided I was wrong about my initial assumptions, and I just thought I have to be involved in this, and I was wondering why like, my generation were philanthropic, we want to give, we want right. to be involved, we're eager, but I, no one's like talking about the Olympics and trying to get me involved, and I'm the, the, the target that right. they would totally. want to talk to. Sweet spot, yeah. So I went back to Patrick after he spoke at Andy's class, and I was probably a couple months later, and I put together... Um, a proposal. Um, how did I get him to talk to me? I don't. I don't know. I wrote him an email. He left his cards there, and I said, "You spoke at my class," mm-hmm. and I actually uh, told that story that I just said, saying basically, "You changed my mind on this, yeah. and I have an idea on how to engage um, me yeah. and people right. like me, and how I could bring a you know a force of you know, my generation to support the bid in a meaningful way." Um, he listened to my idea and connected me with the director of development. And I said, proposed an idea, which was that next generation leadership advisory council on having all of the uh, guys on guys, men and women, right. and everyone who was on the of- official, you know, committee right. that was a hundred thousand dollars or more. Great leaders in the city. We need to diversify our donor base. We need support from you know different age groups. We need to demonstrate that to the IOC. How do we do that? Well, why don't we have all of the committee members nominate a rising star in their company? Therefore, we'll get great candidates, and those candidates will feel um, obligated, hopefully, and committed <laughs> to right. um, participating because of who nominated them, it would be an honor. And so then we would create this committee and their goal would then be uh, to raise $10,000, give or get um, over, you know, an 18 month period, as well as recruit um, a number of volunteers and to serve as an ambassador for the bid. Um, And we ended up having a, a committee of almost 200 Wow. Uh, next generation leaders who ultimately just that group raised $1.5 million. Um, and it was then giving them tools, um, creating like fundraising vehicles so that we enabled them. Um, and the thought then being, if we were you know, chosen, selected and hosting, and we would have these people who are on board with us from a very you know, early, right. you know, kind of the early adopters and really part of the fabric of it. And, uh, so that was the approach. Yeah, and, well, um, and it worked pretty well. I mean, and then isn't that kind of the backbone then of the, um, well, the sports commission probably grew out of a lot of that that kind of thinking as well as the uh, different type of experience, uh, you know, and, and there wasn't um, World Sports Chicago really at that point or the sports commission because yeah. that's only been in existence for five years. You know, going to a place like Marketing Arm, 
getting that experience, I'm assuming, was important. And then, you know, did you push? I, I've never talked to you yeah. about this for the Sports Commission. I mean, were you uh, involved in the formation of it? Or? No, I mean, so World Sports Chicago, when you know, when we were not victorious in Copenhagen on the final presentation, which, yes, was a shock and to a lot of people. Um, and I just like, oh, my gosh, this is the best job in the world. And I thought I was going to have it for another seven years. Yeah, yeah right. What, oh, what next? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, had an incredible group of people that I created relationships with while working together. You know, it was one for all, all for one, you know, I was, yes, development manager, but I worked in all sectors and all hands on deck whenever, you know, something shifted. We had the IOC evaluation commission, you know, you did whatever I was made, made name tags, you know, you just do whatever to get the job done and do it right and help, uh, the whole team to be successful. Um, so world sports Chicago then, uh, Remained and you know they were always part of the bid, but just didn't really have their own uh, platform because it wasn't necessary at that point. Right. And so they remained. And so at that point, it was then transitioning uh, what would remain um, to World Sport Chicago, or make sure they kept their what they needed to uh, move on with the mission because it was something we had committed to the IOC, win or lose, that we would have that right. organization. Um, and after that, I wasn't sure. I wanted to stay in sports. I, you know, networked and continued uh, tapping into my relationships from the bid. And actually, I had met through having lunch. I can't remember. I was having lunch with somebody, and they introduced me to Jim Bogalski, okay. better known as Ski. <laughs> and he had gone to Colgate and they had made the connection. Uh, hey, Kara uh, just finished up at that at 2016 Colgate hockey player. And when you're in Chicago and you find another Colgate person, you know, like on to them, <laughs> you kind of were like, Oh, what are you doing here? And what are you doing here? Cause everyone's from the East coast or so, um, I, I, connected with Ski, had, just went to meet with him, and then I, probably like two months later, he had called me up and said, hey, um, I have a position open now, and I think you'd be a good fit. you come interview and whatnot, right. and it was for uh, working on AT&T. Oh, right, client. right, right, big client of theirs. So, yeah. um, so that was great, because it was a different side. And um, it was sponsorships and, um, if, if I'm remembering correctly, it was both sponsorships and... Uh, you know, activation experience yeah. pieces to it. So it was learning. Well, they had gotten a new piece of AT&T business or grown it um, with like the Wi-Fi portion. Okay. And so it was helping really to um, get AT&T, yes, using spon- sponsorship really to um, help them deploy infrastructure. So via Lollapalooza or ACL, South by, right. you know, any big festival where a lot of you know, digital and technology use, but you're mad at your phone because everyone's trying to get on the network. Yeah, <laughs> so right. it was really trying to get presence, negotiate sponsorship and the deployment of infrastructure so they could support their customers mm-hmm. and have a good experience. And like, what are their on, you know, on-site activations to have the positive impression on the customers? Right. Yeah. And, and as a side effect of the um, what happened in, in Copenhagen and not getting the, the bid is that people spread out to some very smart people spread out kind of all over the place. And mm-hmm. Pat Sandusky, who 
I'll continue to twist his arm until he comes on for an episode. <laughs> um, uh, you know, he's with the USOC yep. now, and uh, uh, John Murray has got uh, the the arena yep. partners, and uh, worked when I was there, and Tom Spathis, and he's with uh, Vivid Seats, I believe, and. Um, you know, it, Wally it's, Hayward. And, yeah, Wally, right. And yeah. now he's with W Partners. He's another guy I'm going to twist into uh, to joining us here. <laughs> Lori Healy, and she went to yeah. John Buck, and now she's now running she's, MPA. She, yeah. Kurt Summers, who is Lori's chief of staff, now he's city treasurer. I right. mean, the thing that was also super interesting, and I, you're still looking, um, you know, at our corporate partner list that supports uh, the Chicago Sports Commission, but it is, it crosses all industry. Right which that is what the bid did and that is sometimes it's just so obvious I think that people forget it too but sport touches everything right. so that's why when you have the Olympic bid and you know you've got um, you know Bill Shear and at the time he was uh, with uh, J.P. Morgan mm-hmm. and you know he's former Olympian you have Bob Berland former Olympian he owns his own company and now he's doing higher elite athletes now you have John Murray he was with Accenture now, you know now he started his own company Arena Partners and he actually um, helped found the Sports Commission right um, you know and people are just it's diverse and they're well, it's amazing Tom how Kerwin, many architecture, people were, were like working in that group it yeah. really is that was I remember the the, you know, I was not, as I said, nearly as deeply into it. But when I was able to sit in on some of those meetings and who was around the table, it was just, and it wasn't just what was interesting. That's to me, a guy like John, I mean, he came from a military background. Yep. He flew what, like Air Force, yeah. Air Force One yes. helicopters. And, yes, he did. And then was <laughs> like McKinsey. Yep. Uh, Accenture. But, but having that, but to me, I thought that's why that's like, I wouldn't have put that person in charge of the bid, right. but that's exactly why they should be in charge of the yeah. bid is because he was coming at it from a different perspective and project-based and all those things to get some of us, basically ADD, event and sponsorship people all kind of marching the same way. And yeah. so that, But that was a beautiful thing. I think he obviously learned a lot about this particular industry, but a lot of other people learned, like yourself and myself yeah. at least, of just... looking at things from a different perspective, looking at the big picture, looking at the corporate, looking at outside such a narrow focus. So, um, yeah, you know, it flat sucks that that didn't happen, but in a way it's opened up all these other doors and relationships that, you know, now here you're at the the sports commission and all that, uh, you know, I think most of it's obvious of the things that have, have translated over here, but as executive director right now, I want to touch a little bit about that. Like, you know, we've listed or talked about all the great corporate partners and, and um, it's a terrific list and, um, you know, we could take 20 minutes just to list those out. But maintaining those kinds of relationships, adding new people into the fold, uh, I'm sure is a big part of the role. You've got coming up on the 23rd, the speaker series on um, business of sport speaker series on the, uh, the hockey hat trick on the 23rd. You're doing those kinds of things mm-hmm. for visibility. Uh, as well. What else are you doing right now day to day? What's the, you know, we talked a little bit before we started that there's traditional bids, of course, which are obvious that you've got an NCAA where we've seen NCAA tournaments or Big Ten tournaments and things like that that are coming, including, you know, NCAA Frozen Four coming up on April 4th and 6th. Get out and buy your tickets now, people. Oh, 6th and 8th? Okay, see. My bad. I, um, can't type apparently. <laughs> the uh, golf championships are out at Rich Harvest Farms. Yep. You've got, um, you know, uh, as just, I said, D1 has been here in NHL basketball. Draft this and year. the draft, like, right. MLS and some of those are probably yeah. more traditional bidding cycles and mm-hmm. processes. 
And then there's less traditional. So you're going out and, and finding those opportunities or building some of those relationships. Uh, you know, it, it, when you look at the, the Pro Beach Volleyball Tour or uh, Nike Tournament of Champions that's coming this summer, the DOD Warrior Games, those aren't quite as obvious. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, of course you want everything, people to be visible and they, you know, who doesn't love Chicago, especially in the summertime. Yeah. But how are you generating more inbound type stuff to be more, you know, you want to be proactive, but to get those reactive kind of things, people coming to you with those opportunities, how do you dig those up? You know, you have to put a lot of work into that, I imagine. What are you doing for those things? Yeah, well, so, I mean, yeah, you could probably categorize if you look at our, you know, uh, I guess, list of past hosted or hosted to date and, you know, what's coming up, um, probably put them in three to four categories if we were bundling them. Um, you know, there's com- there's some that kind of become a, an annuity where the Nike Tournament of Champions, it's a great event. It's the largest high school girls basketball tournament in the country. Uh, that was actually uh, an early on win, and we've had them every year and have them booked for a number of years upcoming. So it's great as in any business where you know you have business coming in that's on the books, that's, right. that's coming, and we know that that is going to generate, you know, about ten to twelve thousand hotel room nights, um, and and we know that 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 business is coming into Chicago. That's interesting because when you look at kind of a competitive advantage, if you will, with Chicago, you know that tournament has been around for a long time, and you've got Gino Auriemma and Doug Bruno, and you know the rest of you know, top notch every level of, uh, women's college basketball right. coach going to that to scout. They used to host that um, in suburbs in Chicago and some other areas and they would get gyms um, this high school here, this high school here mm. and have all of these teams and the coaches would have to you know, go right. to whatever high school then get in the car, drive. So we said, okay, you could put all you could put 50 sport courts in um, McCormick Place you'd be able to have more teams everything's under one roof uh, the coaches come, they stay they don't have to get in their car and drive around they just really are walking around the exhibit hall yeah. to the different courts um, and getting to see the players that, that they want to see. So for um, Nike, you know, they see, they saw a lot of value, obviously, in um, their executive director, Steve Kazaki, saying, what a great model. It, is Chicago more expensive than the suburbs? Probably. Is it worth it? Of course. I mean, they got well, to bring see, more teams. But isn't more that the hotels? biggest piece, really, of this? To me, that's the biggest part of the sports commission. It, 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 you, you know, in particular, as the representative of this, but giving a voice to that mm-hmm. because it was that's to me why this was so smart. And especially, you get a bunch of corporations a, a, across the board to help support it and basically become your acolytes out in the field selling mm-hmm. it. But there was that perception, and I mean, there's there's some truth to it, but the more expensive or whatever, and it's well, but hold on a minute let us tell our side of the story, like yeah. you said, to put everybody in one place. And now you're not having to actually, you're saving money on busing, you're saving money on... Um, you're saving time, and time is money. <laughs> well, no, I mean, really, yeah. right? And so for the fans, it's a better experience for your coaches that are probably have a huge part of the, the funding of that from, from the Nike perspective of pushing right. for their, their involvement and continuing it, that, oh my God, they're going to have far more turnout, which makes it even more prestigious, which gets you more teams, which, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing. But for the sake of the girls that are playing in it, how great is that versus you play in a 
small gym or maybe, you know, it's mm-hmm. a couple courts, but it's not versus this kind of atmosphere. Right. Right. So now, okay, well, here's 10 reasons to combat right. that. And if you look at, I'm sure that you're doing that in the bid package or even presentations, like, well, yeah, that that rack rate is this much higher, but the, at, at the, the hotels, but then we can also because more, first of all, we're bringing more rooms in, we can give you a better discount, mm-hmm. and then you're saving this and this and this and this. And there w- that wasn't here before. Right. So uh, that was I was why I was super excited that CSC came into existence was it gave somebody, and Sam and yourself, and now you uh, as executive director, really leading that charge. We needed that as a Chicagoan. And, and obviously you have the passion of growing up, you're like, Let's keep this stuff here. This is crazy that we don't have more of these things here. No, it's true. And I mean, I think that there's a lot of people who felt that and everyone, you know, talks about Chicago like, oh, it's such a sports town. And it it 100% is. And we have amazing teams and amazing venues. And uh, but the thing is, they a lot of times and just because this is how that business operates, they're not going outside of the venue. They, They do and can in some ways, but they're not staffed or resourced to say, okay, if you come bring your event here, what else do you need? You need hotels, you need ancillary event space, you need Mm -hmm. to get um, citywide marketing assets and get connected with, you need a hotel room block, you need to help negotiating hotel room rates, you need to contract this, you need a transportation company, Mm -hmm. um, you need help engaging fans. Tickets, whatever. I mean, the venues are in the in the four walls, and I right. think working with our venues, uh, they're all just really terrific. We're so blessed here, honestly. I mean, we I come, go to some other cities, and people are you know butting heads, and I, to me, our the sports commission. There's you know we're part of Choose Chicago, but four full time staff members just on sports, and you know we have our resources within Choose, but. I feel like our team is so much bigger because, you know, the United Center, Soldier Field, Park District. Now we have a Wind Trust of Reno, which yeah, is going to be gonna awesome. Mention that, that you've got to be very excited about that. Yeah. That that uh, nothing against United Center, but it's a totally different size. It's a different size venue. It's not that they're cannibalizing each no, other. It's, it's it actually opens up, I think, more opportunities to do exactly. Some things, Last right? thing you want to do is put. Eight to 10,000 people in the United Center, right. which takes the United Center offline for something that could be filled at 20,000 people. Right. We needed an eight to 10,000 person stadium. And if we had had the Olympics, we would have a couple other yeah. venues we'd be booking yeah. right now. Yeah. But, you know, thanks. And, you know, I already mentioned Lori, she's uh, um, MPA and having well, and, that yeah, come and online. They brought over David Kennedy. Exactly. Is, and is I've worked there. with him since right. since 2016. Well, had, if you've worked in Chicago yeah, over right? the last 20 I know. plus years, He's you know still getting David. calls. He's... I think they took his phone away. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or I don't know, maybe they gave it to someone. That would be mean. But, um. <laughs> yeah, right. Imagine somebody else taking, <laughs> taking that all-day list of calls for intended for David. Yeah. But right, I mean, there's an exciting, exciting stuff. And then the momentum just from this, I gave you a brief you know, list of some of these events that are going on is outstanding for, for Chicago. What, uh, and that venue I think opens up, the, the Wintrust venue opens up even more, but what, you know, is there something that you've, you know, got your eye on? I guess it's, you may not be able to say of, of those, but I mean, are there other events that, you know, you, you've got on the big, on the, on the target, or at least types of events that you could talk about that, so far haven't been here, but make all the sense in the world mm-hmm. for Chicago? Um, 
Yeah, it's there's no. It's funny because there's no just form, formula that you can say right. put this in. And I'll tell you that people to some extent may have tried to do that. But even if you change cities, you know the whole formula would be altered. Yeah. And uh, we, we've tried to make up kind of some in-house formulas that are specific to Chicago on how you would be able to determine between opportunities. Um, and then I kind of trashed all those things and said that makes no sense because. It's you said it before, but this also has a lot to do with timing. Sometimes things just become available, right. or an organization changes their direction, or um, realizes that a, an event that they've had for a long time is no longer accomplishing the goals of 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 that event, or their or contributing to their organizational goals, and now they want to make change. The case in point: NFL draft, um, and so. Y- you have to be nimble. You have to be quick, but you have to have a plan. Um, you know, there's things that go along uh, NCAA championships, which are great. You know, they have 89, I think, that they bid out. Now, I don't want all 89. They're not all good right. fits for us, right. and I like to be honest and open with that. Um, there's lots of people who they would like to be in Chicago, and I just, for whatever reason, it's – I don't think it's a good fit. Could be the time of the year. Could cannibalize other business opportunity cost. Right. You know, it's not big enough. They're afraid of being lost. I think maybe that event would get lost. Yeah. You know, let's just let's have a dialogue and let's be realistic and let's do what makes sense for the partners involved. Uh, so for NCAA, we uh, submitted our bids in this last cycle, which they did something that I'm fond of, um, where they have. Really made it a bid cycle, so it's for four years at a time. So you're not every year doing this bid process that's oh, God, long yeah. and arduous, right. and right. and it makes sense because they also, you know, they want to be equitable across, you know, all of their host institutions and cities and markets. They want to be throughout. They their mm-hmm. fans are everywhere, so they have to spread things out. So it it makes it kind of you know a really fair bid process, which I, I respect. Um, and so we submitted for um, hockey for to host again um, Frozen Four. Yeah. Um, we would like to host wrestling, um, and then we have submitted for additional basketball events, um, and in basketball for both United Center and Wintrust, oh, right. um, different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'm confident, optimistic. We have, a, have worked with the NCAA now for about since 2013 really and uh, great organization they deliver uh, high value for the student athletes you know and for alums and I mean as former student athlete I mean if I could have played at the United Center when I was in college I mean that would have been right. uh, just a dream right so you know, they recognize that and they recognize what a hockey market we are so you know in a couple months we'll have it's weird that We've never hosted a Frozen Four, right? But we will now, um, and so yeah, those bids are—you don't know who you're bidding against, yeah. but you know you're telling them you're deciding what you're going to deliver, and if you can meet the requirements, and then what other enhancements. And we, you know, we work with the United Center. Uh, our host institution is Notre Dame, who has a great relationship with NCAA and Blackhawks, um, and us now as well. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. Um, 
you know, that I think we have a, a super strong team there, and that's the same uh, bid we're submitting for future years. Wrestling is something we haven't hosted that we would love to. Um, that you know, these are falling in kind of what we look at as need periods on our calendar. Yeah, where well, and there's a history with say like the Midlands right. up in Northwestern does really well. Mm-hmm. There's a, so those can succeed in this market. Yep. That, right. And well, the they just did New York last year, and that was hugely successful. And you know, we look at other markets and see what they do, and um, just the sizes and what they have to offer. Everything's so different, so it is hard to compare. But I would say if wrestling crushed it like it did at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Chicago, regardless, I think is a great fit for it at the United Center. So we're hopeful to be hosting that. If nothing else, just like the, the 2016 bid, we all learned a lot from that yeah. process, how to better market Chicago and you know undiscovered or unthought of opportunities that are in this market and being able to then you know apply that to the next one is huge. And it used, used to be you know, scattershot. And so now the, in this five years, uh, obviously I'm a big fan of the sports commission, but it, it was needed and it's, de- it's, it's delivering. So, um, and I don't think you find anybody who well, I'd like to find somebody who would disagree with that because well, we'd have a long, yeah, well, I'm not going to go out of my <laughs> way to find them, but I would, no. I think we could pretty easily prove them wrong. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, just about out of time right now. I got to be cognizant of the rest of your busy schedule. Is there, you know, anything that we didn't that we didn't touch on that you'd want to, you know, share with folks? I guess I would just say that, you know, I thank you for for this opportunity to share more with you and and listeners about the sports commission and and about myself and um, thanks for having interest in that. But just I, I mean, I do think it's really Chicago's story um, and the sports commission. Like I said before, I just think our team is so much bigger than just, you know, the the team here. And it's the venues we work with. It's the it's Chicagoans because they come out to the events. They're excited to be there. Um, and I think it makes our city better. I think that especially now more than ever, you know, sport, we already said it, it touches every industry. Um, it also touches everyone in some way. So, you know, you can see people's eyes light up. You know, I get all geeky on hockey. Right. But even if someone talks about another sport, like it just, it's sport. It's its positive. It's joy. It's passion. It's competition. It's, there's friendly rivalries. There's, there's just, there's lessons. There's business. Like it is just such a positive vehicle. Um, and it, tra- it translates, like we were talking before, the things that you take. It's not to be cliche, but mm-hmm. sports are you use sports analogies a lot because it's true. Most most people can identify with it, right? They're a fan of something, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. But there's so much that you take from that: the competition and the, yeah. the training and the improving and losing and winning and, mm-hmm. and all of the above. So, well, thanks very much for uh, for joining me, Car, on the Painless Podcast. Uh, very, I think this was an outstanding. Uh, session we had here today. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Carl, again for being on. A couple things to point out uh, in support of the CSC. Uh, Go to choosechicago.com and click on the Chicago Sports Commission at the top of that page and you can get info about uh, a couple different things that I think would be of interest to you. In particular, coming up very quickly, the Business of Sports Speaker Series. The latest version is uh, February 23rd 
and uh, they're going to focus on hockey in Chicago. Stan Bowman and Jay Blunk from the Blackhawks, Kristen Fassbender from the NCAA, Tom McGinnis with the NCAA Ice Hockey Committee, and uh, Andy Slaggart, who's the associate coach of men's hockey at Notre Dame, will all be there to talk about hockey and and uh, I'm sure spend a bunch of time uh, in particular on the Frozen Four coming up. The Frozen Four is April 6th and 8th, as we talked about. United Center, you can get tickets through ChooseChicago.com, clicking that Chicago Sports Commission at the top of that page. So that should do it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you liked it. Please, please rate us, subscribe, share on SoundCloud. And now that we're on Stitcher, you can find us there as well and help us spread the word. Any feedback, welcome at PainlessPod at Painless.network. And don't forget to support our sponsor, the Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle. Use that code PAINLESS. Register and save 10 bucks today. Hope you'll join me again next week. Guest will be T.K. Gore, the Senior Director of Digital at CSN Chicago. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, it was terrific with Nancy Armour from USA Today. Check that out as well. Other guests in coming weeks, Steve Bardo from Flying Illini Days, as well as uh, now with BTN. Chris Reuter, the CEO of the exploding sport of uh, Spikeball. And uh, marketing coach, consultant, and strategist, a great all-around dude, Kevin Donnellan, will be coming up in the next few weeks. Until then, this is Chris Hartwig saying, stay connected, friends.